Titus chapter 1 and verse number 1. The Bible says, Paul, a servant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ, according to the faith of God's elect and the acknowledging of the truth, which is after godliness. Father, I pray this morning in Jesus' name, Lord, that you would take the message now. God, that you would speak to us and speak through us. And God, may you be glorified. May you be praised. I pray, Father, that you would be exalted. And Lord, I ask that your will would be done. Help us to have receptive hearts uh, to the Word of God now. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen and amen. You can be seated. I want to preach this morning uh, out of one phrase that is found in this verse of Scripture. There's actually two phrases uh, in this, this verse of Scripture that, uh, that I want to preach another message on at another time, but I'll just use one phrase this morning uh, that we find here where Paul the Apostle makes this statement. He says, Paul, a servant of God. Paul, a servant of God. And I want to preach on this subject this morning on a true servant of God. A true servant of God. You know, that's what every one of us that are saved this morning, that's what we are. We're the servants of God. Can I get an amen right there? I mean, this morning, uh, when you think about who we are, and Paul is addressing Titus, uh, a young preacher of his in the faith, and, and he knows that he is fixing to uh, lay the groundwork for Titus because Titus has a threefold responsibility. Number one, as he goes to Crete, he has to prove to them <clears throat> that he's a true servant of God. And then secondly, he has to establish uh, in the church, ordain elders, he said in verse 5, in every city. And so he has to ordain true servants of God. He has to prove he's a true servant of God, ordain true servants of God, and then he has to rid the church of false servants of God. Amen? And can I tell you, God has true servants, but there's also false servants. Amen? There are those that proclaim to be of God, but yet they are not. I'll say that's true about preachers and teachers, but it's also true about church members. Can I get a witness right there? Uh, in the church, uh, there's wheat and there's tares. Amen? Uh, there's sheep and there's goats. There are those that uh, claim to be saved and be the servants of God. And then there are those that claim to be saved, but they're not saved and they're not the servant of God. Amen. And you and I have to distinguish this morning as to whether or not we are a true servant of God, not just in the ministry and in service, but in salvation. Amen. And so Paul realizes that uh, this young preacher is going to have this great responsibility of laying the groundwork here and proving himself as to be a, a true servant of God, establishing true servants of God, and then finally getting those false servants uh, and false teachers out of the church. Well, I want to say we're living in a time that's no different now than it was then. There's a lot of people that proclaim to be saved, and there's a lot of people that proclaim to know God and be called of God. The only problem is they're not. Amen? And the tragedy is uh, it's not only in our pews, uh, but it's also in our pulpits. Isn't that right? And when you think about that, I don't know about you, but I get tired of all the uh, of all the uh, uh, the day that we live in where there's so much fake. Isn't that right? Uh, brother, I want the reality of serving God. I want to go to church and I like it when it's real good, don't you? Uh, and listen, I don't like it when it's real dead. Somebody say amen right there. I'd rather it be real good as to be real dead, but either way, at least it's real. Isn't that right? I mean, you know as well as I do, sometimes we come in here and man, we shout it out and God moves 
lose and, and people get saved and we go home and say, man, it wasn't that a great service. And then we go home sometimes and we say, well, we'll come back and try her again. I don't know what happened. I don't know what was wrong with them. I don't know what was wrong with him. But you know what? At least it was real. Can I get a witness right there? And I think servants of God ought to be real. I think about preachers today. We're living in a time when there's a generation coming up of members that do not even realize the reality between true servants of God and false servants of God. Amen. I'm talking about fake preachers. We got a lot of them today. Somebody say amen right there. Men that are not called of God. They don't have the touch of God. They don't have the breath of God. They may have information and intellect, but uh, listen, they don't have that true touch. And, and we got a lot of fake preachers in the pulpit that, listen, this is nothing more than a profession to them. Isn't that right? Fake preachers. I thought about, uh, listen, feminine preachers. We're living in a day when preachers, hey, some men act like sissies. Somebody say amen. If y'all ain't going to say amen, I'm just going to preach mean. Y'all don't want me to do that, do you? Isn't that right? I'm talking about feminine preachers getting up. I, I limp-wristed men, amen? I look at the way some preachers dress and it makes me nervous. I don't know about you. Uh, some of the suits they wear are so tight and so skinny. And, and uh, listen, uh, uh, they just some, I mean, they don't look like men. We need a revival of manhood in the pulpit, amen? And then some preachers get up and apologize uh, about their message. And, and listen, I think a man of God ought to get up and preach the Bible with authority. He ought to preach it with anointing and you ought to preach it without apology. Amen. If it's the word of God, uh, then let's just preach the Bible as it is to men as they are. Let the chips fall where they are uh, and you just have to swallow it and take it. Amen. As it is. Uh, but it'll help you if you'll chew it up and digest it. Isn't that right? We're living in a time of preachers. I, I see some young preachers uh, and I feel like, man, they need to go outside and get their hands dirty and they need to, uh, they need to know how to get it. They need to be around some men. Isn't that right? You, you young men may not be preachers and if you are good, but if you're not, listen to me, don't you act like a sissy. Somebody say amen. amen. You act like a young man. Act like a boy. Amen. Uh, listen, it ain't nothing wrong with you getting dirty every now and then. Uh, but I'm talking about uh, fake preachers. I'm talking about feminine preachers. I'm talking about filthy preachers. Amen. Yes, you don't get around some preachers and I, the things they say. My mother would have washed my mouth out. I'm talking about a lost mother would have washed my mouth out if I'd have said some of the things that I hear preachers say. There's some men that I've heard them preach and I thought highly of them until I sat around the table and I heard them say some things that I listen, filthy talk and, and off-colored things. I don't think a man of God, a true servant of God, ought to have a filthy mouth. Somebody say, man, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edify, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. Amen. I'm talking about filthy preachers today. Uh, that say things and watch things and engage things. What about freeloading preachers? I know I'm on preachers, but I'll get on the pews here in just a few moments. Uh, Y'all might as well enjoy it while you can. Amen. I'm talking about freeloading preachers uh, uh, that won't work. Amen. Uh, that Listen, uh, uh, they always expect a handout, always expect the church to do something for them, always feel like the people of God owe them something. Hey, I want to stop and say I thank God for this church uh, and I thank God for every paycheck you've ever given me. I thank God for every 
over time you've been good to me and been good to my wife and, and been good to my children for every blessing but if you never gave me another dime you know what I'd do I'd just keep on plowing I'd keep on preaching amen now I'd have to go get me a job somebody say amen right there I'd listen probably be a break if you want to know the truth because the ministry is 24-7 but I'm not above working and laboring and I think men of God that are real servants of God they're not afraid to get their hands dirty and labor amen I don't feel like the church owes me anything amen we're living in a time when preachers get in the ministry for the money, not the ministry, not the will of God. They don't seek God's will. You don't hear a lot of men talking about the will of God. Amen. But they talk about the benefits and the blessings of the ministry. They get fresh out of Bible college and you know what happens? They want a big old church and a big old salary and a nice SUV and they want all the benefits that it takes other men of God 20 and 25 years to get. But can I tell you, if a man's a true servant of God, he's not controlled by a paycheck. He's not controlled by a salary. He's not motivated by benefits. What motivates him is the will of God. Amen. I tell you, I'd rather be on the hillside under a pine tree standing on a stump somewhere preaching this old black back book. Amen. With not two nickels to rub together and know that I've seen the will of God as to have some big elaborate salary and it not be the will. This is not a profession. Amen. I'm talking about freeloading preachers. I'm talking about frail preachers that won't take a stand, doesn't have a backbone. Hey, listen, if there's ever been a time when our homes and our country needs leadership, it's the day that we're living in. And as a man of God, you may not always be liked and you may not always be loved, but you need to have a backbone. You need to be able to stand. And you can do that with compassion. You can do that with a balance. But you got to be willing to take God's people in the direction that God wants you you to go. Amen. Talking about frail preachers. What about foolish preachers? You know, some men act like clowns in the pulpit. Can I just preach? Y'all ever seen anybody like that? Now, y'all know I like to laugh. In fact, I wish some of y'all would laugh right now. It would make me feel a whole lot better. Smile. Some of you haven't smiled since we started church. Amen. I mean, you act like your mother-in-law or your father-in-law moved in with you and you're depressed about it. Amen. Some of you women act like you burnt the biscuits this morning. Amen. Your husband's mad at you. Some of you husband act like you ate burnt biscuits this morning. It's okay to be happy. I, there ain't nothing wrong with smiling. I don't think, listen, I don't think a sign of spirituality is being sour. Somebody say amen. Uh, but you know what? At the same time, I don't think the preacher ought to get up and act like a fool, act like Bozo the Clown. I don't think, I think uh, he shouldn't get to the point where he's just silly in the pulpit. Nothing wrong with having a, a laugh every now and then. But the Bible says all throughout the book of Titus, you know, uh, time after time again, if you read this book when you go home, you ought to circle every time that the Apostle Paul uses uh, uh, the word sober. He tells uh, the aged men to be sober. He tells the aged women to be sober. He tells the young men to be sober. He tells the young women to be sober. He tells the elders to be sober. Hey, this is serious business, amen? And we ought to not make light of the things of God. Uh, listen, a preacher ought not to be known as being a fool, amen? He ought to be sober-minded. And Paul was a preacher, wasn't he? And in this text, he calls himself a servant of, of God. And I want you to notice he, he, what he does in one verse of Scripture. 
is he gives the perfect example to this young preacher as an older preacher as to what a true servant of God should be. You may say, well, now, preacher, I'm not a true servant of God. I'm not, or I'm not a preacher. Well, you may not be a preacher, but you ought to be a servant of God. Isn't that right? And just because you're not called to preach doesn't mean that you're not a servant. We're all servants of God. Isn't that right? And so when we look at this, I want you to notice four things here about a true or a real servant of God. And I want you to ask yourself, is this you this morning? I want you to see, first of all, what a real servant of God shows. What does a real servant of God show? Notice what he said in verse number 1. Paul, a servant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ. And what I see in this verse here is that this real servant of God, through the naming of these titles here that he gives, he reveals what a real servant of God shows. He first of all says Paul, and he uses his name there. And by just using his name, isn't that interesting that the first word of this epistle is Paul's name? You say, well, Brother Gravely, what does that show uh, concerning this servant of God? It shows his humanity. Amen. That he was uh, that he was just a man. He call he doesn't start off and says, "Now a servant of God and apostle and Paul, Amen." No, he puts his name in the forefront. In other words, he lets Titus know. Titus, uh, I want you to know. Regardless, now Titus looked up to Paul, no doubt. He had won him to God. He'd been his mentor, no doubt. He was his hero in the faith. Uh, but Paul was quick to say, "Now Titus, uh, I want you to realize uh, who I really am. I'm just Paul, Amen. I'm just a human." I'm flesh and blood just like you are. I'm not a superman. I'm a servant of God. And it reveals his humanity. You know, I think at the end of the day, we've got to remind ourselves that it doesn't matter what we do for God. It doesn't matter how much we accomplish for God. We're just flesh. Amen? We're just humanity. And we need God, don't we? Amen? We need him in the morning time. We need him in the noon time. Noon time and we need him in the night time. And we need him in the night watches. Amen? I'm talking about friends. You're looking at flesh this morning. I'm looking at flesh, amen. And had it not been for God this morning, none of us had rolled out of the bed, been able to dress ourselves. But isn't it good that God woke us up another day, this side of eternity? He allowed us to come to church. He's allowed us to be in our right mind. He's allowed us to worship. He don't need us, but we sure do need Him. I'm talking about I'm weak, but He is so strong this morning. And it's good to be reminded, I think preachers ought to be reminded that they're not kings, they're just humans, amen. Revealed his humanity and then it reveals his humility. Look at that second phrase there. He said, Paul, a servant of God. You know, I've met some men that don't want to be called a servant. I've met some church members that thought they were above being a servant. I mean, if the toilet needs cleaning this morning and there's nobody left to do it, would you do it? I'm going to tell you something this morning. If paper's on the floor, would you pick it up? I'm talking about are you willing this morning to do something for God without a title or a trophy? Are you willing to do something without? You say, well, what if nobody sees it? Do you've got? Do you have to be seen? Do you have to be recognized? Could you spend your rest of your life serving God and nobody ever seeing anything that you ever do for God but Jesus Christ and God the Father, the one that it really, the ones that it really counts with? If nobody ever gives you another pat on the back, if nobody ever puts a spotlight on you again, could you keep on plowing? Could you keep on serving God? I'm talking about it. There's a real lack of humility in our day. 
both in the pulpits and in the pews. I think the reason we see it so much in the pews is because men of God as a whole are not showing that characteristic of humility. And I'm not talking about false humility. I'm not talking about getting up here and saying things just so somebody will pay you a compliment. I'm not talking about saying, well, you know, I'm not really anything just for the sake of somebody bragging. No, I'm talking about real humility. Realizing that you don't, that listen, God don't need you and that it's a blessing that God would even use any of us. I'm telling you, if God never looked my way again, if he never dropped another blessing on me again, he'd still be God and I'd still have to praise him because he's still been far better to me than what I ever deserved him to be. Amen. I'm telling you, friend, through all of this, we ought to be reminded that God has blessed us. He don't owe us anything. He ought to, listen, he don't have to pass by our way. He don't have to show up this morning. I'm telling you, listen, if you want to be like Jesus and I want to be like Jesus, uh, then we ought to strive for humility. You know how you stay humble? Stay on your knees. Can I tell you something? You don't have to boast to be full of pride. Just quit praying. Quit praying, and I'll tell you what will happen. You'll get the attitude without even realizing that you can do things yourself. You can accomplish things. Something about that prayer closet on your knees, it reminds us how weak we really are. It puts everything in perspective. The things that we, that we strive for, the things that we work after, if we really get down to the brass tacks, uh, they're not going uh, to have any real value in eternity. A lot of things in this world, uh, nothing wrong with having materialistic things. Don't misunderstand what I'm saying. Uh, but the materialistic things of this world, is gonna, they're all going to burn up one day. Our schedules are all going to burn up one day. It's not going to matter in eternity. Only what's done for Jesus Christ... Uh, only a life that's been lived uh, that glorifies him and honors him. Uh, I would to God that he would help us all this morning to be like the Bible said in Philippians 2 and let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus who being in the form of God. He thought it not robbery to be equal with God but he made himself of no reputation. Amen. That took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men and being found in fashion as a man he humbled himself uh, and became obedient unto death even the death of the cross wherefore God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father Amen you know why he's been exalted because he humbled himself Bible said that he made himself lower than the angels. He came and crowned with a uh, with a glory and honor that he by the grace of God should taste death for every man. I'm talking about Paul. Uh, what a real servant of God shows uh, is he shows his humanity. Uh, listen, he lets people know I'm real. I'm just like you. Uh, I'm flesh just like you. Uh, he shows his humility and then he shows his honor. Look what he said. He said an apostle of Jesus Christ. That was a great title for the Apostle Paul. And I think for Paul in particular amongst all others because you see Paul realized he wasn't worthy to be an apostle. He had, he had persecuted the church of God. He had murdered and martyred Christians. 
Paul said, I'm the least among the least and I am what I am by the grace of God. Paul realized that he would suffer throughout all of his ministry because he had wreaked havoc upon the church, but he was willing to suffer. And Paul gives the high honor. He wears the title of apostle with humility and with grace, realizing that God had graced it upon his soul. He was not worthy to be an apostle, but he counted him faithful and he put him in the ministry. And can I tell you, when you think about where you see it, and you think about where I stand this morning, none of us ought to be here today. But isn't it an honor to be called a child of God? Isn't it an honor to be saved? Hey, there's seven and a half billion people on planet Earth, and two-thirds of this world has never seen a Bible, never seen a track, never heard a clear presentation of the gospel. And here you sit in church this morning with a Bible in your hand, saved by the good grace of God. What an honor, what a privilege to be able to be amongst the redeemed and say, I'm saved. Saved, saved, saved by the grace of God. Amen. And a real servant of God shows humility, shows uh, humanity, and shows honor. Paul is not honoring Paul. Paul is honoring the Lord. I think real servants of God don't want recognition for themselves. They want to honor him. I see what a real servant of God shows. And secondly, I want you to notice in verse number one what a real servant of God sees. What does a real servant of God see? Because Paul sees three things in this text here, three people, should I say. He sees, first of all, I notice that he sees the Creator. He says, Paul, a servant of God. Not just any servant, but I'm a servant of God. You see, a real servant of God, not just what he shows, but what does he see? What is a real servant of God focused on? Paul said, I'm a servant, but I'm not just any servant. I'm a servant of the Most High. I'm a servant of the Creator of this world. You see, a slave uh, is one that uh, serves his master, but he has no real relationship. He's just a a piece of property to that master. He's just a slave. uh, But a servant uh, is one that serves his master, not because he has to, but because he wants to. There's joy. There's love. There's dedication. There's commitment. I'm going to tell you there wasn't chains uh, that bound Paul to the Lord. Uh, I'll tell you what it was. Uh, It was cords of love uh, uh, from his heart to the heart of God. Uh, And he said, I'm a servant. Uh, I'm a bond slave. Uh, I'm willingly serving him. Uh, I'm not serving him because I have to. I'm serving him because I want to. Uh, Can I tell you God won't make you serve him? Uh, But if you want to serve him, if you're willing to serve him if you have a love in your heart to serve him he will let you serve him I don't know why I mentioned it I appreciate all of our singers in every service but I'll tell you you ought to sing with all your heart if you're a preacher you ought to preach with all your heart y'all never go to the pulpit or to the podium to sing or preach and say well I have to sing no God gave you a voice and there's a lot of people don't have a good voice now somebody go ahead and say amen I don't, could you imagine if I was your special singer for the day? You'd be real thankful for my preaching, wouldn't you? If I had to get up here and sing, listen, I can sing in keys that you don't even know of. I do. And I love to sing. And if I could sing, I, listen, you'd have to beat me off the platform. I'd be one of them singers coming in with a songbook with 500 pages in it, sitting on the front row, opening it up while the preacher's out. That's just how I'd be because I'd want to sing every single service. That's why God said, you're not going to get the voice. Amen. But you know what? If you've got a voice, every time you sing, you ought to sing from your heart. 
Y'all, if you got a, if you got ability to play the instruments, every time you play, y'all play for Him. Amen. Never say, well, as a preacher, I should never come and say, well, i got to preach. I ought to preach for him. We're servants of God. We do serve each other, but we're servants of God. What a privilege. You At one time, you was a servant of the devil, amen, but now you're a servant of God. Isn't that wonderful? How in the world could you go from serving on the side of darkness to now you're serving on the side of light? You was once a servant of wrath, but now you're a servant of mercy. You was once a servant of the Satan, but now you're a servant of Almighty God. What a wonder, what a grace, what a blessing to be on the right side. Hallelujah. And a real servant of God sees, uh, he sees the Creator. Notice not only sees the Creator, but he sees the Christ. He said an apostle of Jesus Christ. Paul didn't wear that, that title of being an apostle by itself. He always attached it to the one it belonged to. The emphasis in that phrase, the apostle of Jesus Christ, Paul is not putting the emphasis on the apostleship. He's putting it on Jesus. Amen. Thank God I'm glad to be a preacher, but I'm a preacher of the Lord Jesus Christ. You're a preacher of the Lord Jesus Christ. The title, the emphasis is not on that preacher. That's the little part. Amen. I'm telling you, I'm not much of a preacher. And any preacher that is a preacher will tell you they're not much of a preacher. But I tell you, I'm hooked up to a big name in this text. Uh, Paul said, I'm not much. I'm the least of the least. I'm just an old sorry, wore out apostle and ought to be in hell. But I'm not just an apostle. I'm attached to some Someone that's greater than this universe. Someone that's greater than the greatest. He attached it to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. He's an apostle of Jesus Christ. Boy, isn't it good to be saved? You tell the world you're born again, and you know what? They'll still look at you like you've lost your mind. They'll look at you like Nicodemus did Jesus and said, how can these things be? I'm going to tell you, it's one thing to be say you're a child, but it's another thing to say you're a child of the king. Amen. I'm glad I'm a child of God, a true servant of God. He sees the creator. He sees the Christ. Who do you see? Who would you come to church see this morning? I think you ought to wear your best when you come to church. Somebody say amen. Now, if all, listen, now, I'm not talking to lost people, people that are saved. Y'all wear more than a T-shirt and tennis shoes at church. Somebody say amen. Isn't that right? And old wore out blue jeans. Amen. We ought to come to church and look our best. Amen. Now, you don't got to have a $500 suit. In fact, if somebody bought me a $500 suit, I'd probably cash it in, go to J.C. Penney's and buy me about $350. Well, that wouldn't come out right, would it? Amen. I'd have to put a little bit to boot, but I'd buy me three. Maybe I'd buy me two and take my wife out to eat. How's that? Amen. But you know what? Listen, I'd be, listen if I, I don't want to sweat in a $500 suit. That looks like a $500 suit. Hundred bucks, there you go. I mean, hey, just call me cheap or whatever. But you can't tell, and it's not. Don't get nervous. You can't tell. You know what I paid for this jacket? Can I go ahead and this is going to be on the news? Amen. Forty nine ninety nine. How about somebody say amen right there? Forty nine ninety nine. But that's a blessing. You say, well, it looks like $49.99. I'm going to tell you something. If you, listen, I, some people, if they want to buy a $300 sports cup, uh, a coat, I say help yourself. Amen. But you ought to sue your brain for non-support if you spend $300 on a sports coat when you can buy one for $50. Amen. Isn't that right? Yeah. I hope nobody's wearing a $300 one right now. If you do, I hope you tithe. Amen. <laughs> but you know what? You can't tell how much I, if I wouldn't have told you, you wouldn't have known how much I paid for this. 
I'm going to tell you something. If I rip this one, I'm not going to be near as sick about it as you are if you've got a $300 one on. Amen. Isn't that right? We're not trying to impress nobody. I think we ought to look our best. We ought to come to church and, and we ought to look right. Amen. We ought to be dressed up for the house of God. I mean, we ought to look our very best. Amen. But I'm telling you something this morning. It's not about me is what I'm trying to say. And it's not about you. And it's not about you seeing me. And it's not about me seeing you. And I know we're all glad to see each other. But I'll tell you who we all really came to see this morning. We came to see him. Amen. And thank God when he shows up, it'll be worth it all. When he shows up. Isn't it good to see him this morning? Hallelujah. Praise God. I don't like to go to church and not see him, do you? I'm talking about what a real servant of God sees. And, and then he sees the church. Notice what he said. According to the faith, now notice this, of God's elect. He saw the creator. He saw the Christ, but he saw the church. Thank God for the church. Amen. Brother, I don't know how people make it without church. Brother, I'm so glad we're coming back tonight, aren't you? I'm so glad. Listen, uh, I don't want to cook out and stay home. I don't want to have a big cookout on Sunday evening. I don't want to be out sitting on the front porch enjoying the weather. No, I want to be in the house of God, don't you? I got six other days to do any of that stuff. But I tell you, when it comes to Sunday, Sunday's church, amen. I don't believe you ought to go shopping on Sunday. Now, somebody, you women say amen right there. You got six other, and I didn't get one amen out of you women. Don't you go to, you think, I don't know if you even can. Don't go to the mall on Sunday. Oh, but preacher, I, I got to have. No, you don't. You know the mall doesn't have anything essential. Y'all know that, don't you? Amen. If you need something essential, go to Dollar General store. Somebody say amen. Because I know you're not buying shoes at the Dollar General. Amen. I mean, look, listen, they don't have anything essential. Don't shop on Sunday. Now, I know that probably made about, probably, probably made about 20 people mad, but don't shop on Sunday. Amen. Amen. I mean, do as little as you can on Sunday. I know there's some things that have to be done, but go to church on Sunday. Then go home and eat a big old meal at the house on Sunday. And then after you eat that big meal, I listen, I turn the radio on and listen to some singing. I listen to old brother Lehman Strauss do some preaching on, on Sunday afternoon. And listen, I pray for your church and pray for your family. Sit on the front porch and fellowship with your family on Sunday evening, but make sure you go back Sunday night. Somebody Somebody say amen. Uh, go back to church on Sunday night. Don't go home and watch NASCAR. Amen. Don't go home and watch the Braves on Sunday. Don't go home and watch four hours of television on Sunday. I'm talking about let it be about faith uh, and let it be about family. Uh, uh, get outside and enjoy the goodness of God with your family, but take them back to church. Uh, that's what Sunday is about. People don't know anything about that anymore, do they? People, you preach that a lot of people, they think you've lost your mind. And I'm talking about this morning, what a real servant of God sees, they see the church. I'll be honest with you, I can't make it without the church. Brother, I got saved, I got saved at 13 years old. I knew nothing about the church. I sure didn't know the importance of it. I got saved, got on the bus about six months later on Sunday morning, I was having baptism down at Rock Creek. I decided I was going to join for baptism that Sunday. Went down the front, surrendered my life to God that Sunday in baptism. Didn't have a towel. Didn't have a change of clothes. 
Listen, I went down there. We went down to Rock Creek outside. You know right where it's at. Y'all live down that way. And I went down there. I'm going to tell you something. I went in a baptismal water there in Rock Creek. I went in shoes and all. I didn't take nothing off. I didn't have nothing to change into. Walked in, got back. Preacher just baptized me, got back on the bus. Amen. Went home, walked in the front door soaking wet. My mother looked at me. She said, what in the world happened to you? She said, I got baptized today. She said, why didn't you tell me? I said, I didn't know. She said, you didn't know this happened? I said, I didn't know I was getting baptized. But I was standing right back there five rows back. And the Holy Ghost spoke to my heart and said, son... It's time you get baptized. I just went down the aisle. I said, God, if that's what you want, that's what I'll do. I'm going to tell you something. You said, why did you say all that? Because it happened at church. Got baptized when I got saved in the body of Christ. Got baptized in the church. Didn't save me getting baptized in the church. Amen. But it was evidence I had been saved. It was evidence I was a follower of Jesus Christ. And thank God I've been hooked up with the church ever since. How long have you been hooked up with the church? You think about for the time you've been saved. Don't you thank God for the house of God? There have been so many times I've drugged into church. Didn't know which way I'd turn, which way I'd go. Seemed like your whole world was crashing in. But God had a word. And a man of God got up and took that book. And it was just what I needed when I needed it. And God spoke to my heart. I'm telling you how many times have you thought there was no way out. But you went on to church anyway. You did what you're supposed to do. And God blessed you. And God moved. I'm talking about, listen, a true servant of God. They see the church. Amen. You know, I'd rather my house burn as a church burn. Wouldn't you? I love the church. You say it's just a building, but it's not to me. It's more than that. I see what a true servant of God sees, what he shows. And then let me, let me give you a couple more things and I'll be done. I want you to see what a true servant of God says. Look what Paul has to say to, Timothy, or to Titus in this text here. He said, according to the faith of God's elect, and notice this phrase, and the acknowledging... Of the truth. I see his wisdom when he talks about acknowledging. But I see his words. What is Paul? Where, Paul, where are you getting your wisdom? Where's your words coming from? It's not just acknowledging, but it's acknowledging what? The truth. You want to know what a real servant of God, and we talk about what he shows, we talk about what he sees, but you know what a real servant of God says? What thus saith the Lord. Paul said, Titus, I want to tell you something. There's something I want to acknowledge here, and it's not my words, but it's acknowledging of the truth. When Paul says, uses the word truth here, I don't think we have to have a commentary to figure out what truth he's talking about. He's talking about the Word of God. Isn't that right? He's talking about the truth of the Bible. First John chapter 5, Paul uses that word truth, or Second John, he uses that. In the early verses, he talks about walking in truth. He talks about loving the truth, and he mentions the truth over and over. Jesus in the garden of Gethsemane he prayed this he said father he said sanctify them through thy truth he said thy word is truth amen we know what the truth is the truth is not what the preacher says it's not what the church says it's what God says amen and I'm glad I could stand here this morning and tell you I'm not preaching out of a comic book I'm not preaching out of a reader's digest I'm not preaching out of a time life magazine but thank God I hold in my head a copy of the truth of the word of God and a real servant of God. That's what he preaches is the truth. Amen. Now, you don't have to raise your hand. But have you ever been to church 
Hope it ain't been here. <laughs> Have you ever been to church and heard a man get up and preach and preach and preach and preach and preach and preach and preach? And preach? He never said nothing. Brother, I'm going to tell you something. I'd rather be beat with hickories. That's a set in church. And hear somebody ramble. Are y'all with me on that? I, you think I'm joking. You listen, if you beat me with hickories, it wouldn't be no more painful than having to sit there and listen to somebody go on and on and on and never say what that book says. Brother, I, I like illustrations and stories, and, and I think they can be used to support the truth. But listen, if all, if all I had this morning was a 45-minute illustration, a 45-minute story to tell you, but I, I read a verse of Scripture, never went back to it, never said anything about it, and just gave you a sad story that played on your emotions, that's not preaching, amen? Uh, if all I did was get up here and just talk for a little while, uh, but never take you to the text, never take... Hey, the most important thing is what God says, amen? And I don't know if you'll remember anything I say, but I hope you go home this afternoon and never look at that verse the same again. I hope that God puts something in your heart that every time you read that verse, you may not remember what Brother Gravely said about it, but I pray that you'll read it and say, you know what? God did a work in my heart through His Word. Amen? A real man of God will preach the Bible. He'll tell you what God says, not His opinion, not His ideas, not His theology. And then lastly, I want you to see what a real, we looked at what a real servant of God shows, what a real servant of God sees, what a real servant of God says. But I don't want you to get this because it's a very important, what a real servant of God seeks. Look what he said in verse number one. He said, which is after godliness. You ought to circle that word godliness because I'm going to preach three sermons on that one word. Because in chapter 1, he talks about godliness in the church. In chapter 2, he talks about godliness in the home. And in chapter 3, he talks about godliness in the world. And Paul, as he's talking to this young preacher, he's illustrating to him what a real servant of God seeks after. And you know what it is? It's godliness. Godlikeness. He wants him. He said, according to the acknowledging of the truth, which is after godliness. I want to tell you, we're living in an ungodly day, aren't we? We're living in a time when our churches are more ungodly than they've ever been. We're living in a time when truth has been compromised. Ungodliness has been invited into the door of the average Baptist church and preachers who used to stand for godliness are now watering down the message and leaning back on some of the standards and, and kindly uh, letting down some of the barriers and erasing some of the lines uh, all in an attempt to, to salvage what they think would be salvaging the church. But I'm going to tell you what's always made the church strong. It's never been worldliness. Uh, it's always been godliness. Amen. Man, what's always brought the power and the touch of God is when you've had that nucleus of people that said, I'll pay the price, I'll walk with God, I'll be filled with the Holy Spirit, I'll live my life in a way that's pleasing unto Him, not just on Sunday, but you ought to live the same way on Monday as you did on Sunday. Amen? Your lifestyle ought not to change just because it's Monday, but you ought to live that way every single day of your life. I'm going to tell you, if you see me in my front yard, you ought to see me the same in my front yard, Brother Rattery, as you see me anywhere else in town. Amen. I'm not mowing a yard in a tie. Somebody say amen. But I ain't against anybody who does. 
I know somebody who does. White shirt and tie. And I heard somebody criticizing him one day. We were sitting at the table. Talking about how foolish he was a preacher. Criticizing another preacher. Talking about how foolish he was. I said, you know what, you ought to be quiet about that. He said, well, I think it's foolish. So it doesn't matter what you think. I got plumb mad about it. I said, hey, you know what? I said, bro, I, I remember Sammy Allen saying years ago, I never criticized anybody that had a higher standard than what I did. Amen. Is that right? If he wants to mow his yard in a three-piece suit and look just like Brother Barnes, amen. <laughs> Brother Barnes wants to go home and mow his yard in that suit, I say, more power to you, amen. I mean, listen, I'm going to ride by and watch you, amen. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, hey, godliness. Don't you make fun of some lady that wears her dress all the way down to the ground? Amen. Don't you make fun of that? Amen. I, I say shame on anybody that does. Uh, thank God. Uh, if she wants to wear it dragging the ground, it's just godliness. Amen. Uh, don't you make fun uh, of somebody that says, well, our children don't do this or don't do that. Hey, I say more power. Live as clean as you can live. Live as godly as you can live. Uh, you know, we ought to be looking in our life uh, saying, is there anything in my life I need to pull up? Uh, is there anything in my life I need to get more tighter and don't you let some friend uh, and don't you let some family member and don't you let some church member uh, listen influence you to drop your convictions can I get a witness brother I tell you it bothers me when I see people start changing and then other people want to start following their suit you know what that tells me two things about that person number one they are not their own individual somebody say amen and number two Whatever they was doing, doing, they were doing it for the wrong reasons. Is that right? Well, there's things I believe about this book. Uh, by the grace of God, I want to say that. I don't care if everybody quits. If you give me the grace, I'm going to hang with it. Is that right? Hey, some things, uh, at least say, well, it's just not popular anymore and people don't live that way anymore. I say, so what? Uh, it will matter at the judgment seat. Amen. Uh, I'm telling you, it's not how loose and how liberal and how unbalanced we can get. But thank God we ought to live clean. We ought to live right. We ought to live pure. If they lived that way in the 60s, uh, it's still right today. Somebody say, amen. God's not changed his mind about that. And it's not a fad. It's Bible beliefs. And convictions. What I'm saying to you this morning, I think if there's ever, and I mean this, hear me church, if there's ever been a single day in church history that we need to get serious about godliness. It's right now today. The repercussions of what the last several weeks has brought about to the church, they're yet to be seen. When we do get back together, you know what we're going to have to preach on? Amens, attendance, altar calls. You know how people, and I understand the situation. I'm not fussing. And if you don't feel comfortable coming to the altar this morning because of the situation, I'm not mad about that. But can you imagine two years from now, there's still going to be people. They hadn't went to the altar in so long because of this. They're going to quit altogether. They're going to quit. I'm not talking about people with health conditions. I'm talking about the flesh. Once it gets comfortable in an area, it never wants to turn back. Once, once the flesh has missed Wednesday night, I've never missed a Wednesday night. I mean, I'll have you to sit circumcitness or something where we call, but I've never missed, you've never missed this much Wednesday nights. You know what your flesh is going to tell you when we start back? Oh, that's not a big deal. 
It's okay. Well, you, you sure was getting a lot of things done around your house. Well, think about how happy your wife was. You about, you about saw the end of that honeydew list. Can I tell you something? There's no end to the honeydew list. Amen. There's no end to it. I've been working my... I've been working my fingers off. Amen. I got down to one page. I said, praise God will be done this week. It grew. Never going to get done. What flesh will say, now you don't need to start back on Wednesday night. That's what he taught us. Hey, I want to say this. Godliness. How are you living right now? If you are further away from God than you were seven weeks ago, you better run to this altar this morning. Virus or no virus, you better come running down that aisle and get on this altar and say, Dear God, help me this morning. Because I'm going to tell you something, friend. There's an infection that's been in our churches long before this ever came about. Brother, we need revival in these days. <clears throat> I'm not preaching hard to you because I want to preach hard. I'm telling you, I just want to keep us where we need to be at. And I can't, and in reality, I can't. I know it's God. But I want to do my part. I, don't, I need to hear what I've said this morning. Don't you slack up. Don't you get lazy. Don't you, don't you start getting comfortable. This morning, how's your spirit? How's your attitude? How's your temperament? Are you right with God? How's your personal relationship, your Bible reading, your prayer life? Have you been so busy doing other things that you've neglected it? I'm telling you, let it all fall apart. But don't let your personal walk with God. Amen. Don't you neglect that place of prayer. Don't you, don't you stop opening that book in the morning time. Don't you, don't you be tired from a day's work, so tired that you, you've done so many things that you say, well, I'll read it tomorrow. <laughs> Won't you do that? Oh, but preacher, y'all look around my house. Y'all look how clean it is. Y'all look how nice it. My house looks better than it's, than it's looked in years. I'm not looking at that house. I'm looking at this house. How's this house? How's this house? Is this house clean? Or have you spent so much time cleaning and repairing and working on everything else that you're letting this house let it fall apart? You know, if you'll just let a house set empty, I don't know how that happens. You let a house set empty. And you know what will happen to it? It'll fall all to pieces, won't it? Just don't live in it. The weeds will grow up. I mean, it'll just start getting cobwebs. It'll get filthy. It'll get unfit to live in. You know how it gets that way? By doing nothing. And I'm so afraid that there are people. They've done nothing for so long in their spiritual life. Oh, you're saved, but you've done nothing to your house. And you're falling apart and don't even know it. Stand this morning.